0: If you would, turn with me to the book of Proverbs. We're going to read a verse out of chapter 17 and a verse out of chapter 18. Um, sometimes people ask, how do you figure out what you want to preach on? And if you've been here some time, you know we typically preach through a book of the Bible. Uh, and so some of those, are, we've established a pattern like Psalms in the summer, and now we're going to add to that a couple of themes out of Proverbs. Uh, but how do you choose? Well, what is God doing in our life, my life as I'm reading the Bible? What needs you see at church? And So we've been going back and forth, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament Psalms. We'll get back into Galatians uh, later on in the fall. I pick Galatians because we want to impress on you what it means to be justified by faith. That's a a theme that we want to hit on. But now, friendship. Friendship. I thought of friendship because well, it's something I've been thinking a lot about. Some of you have asked me, how do, you, how do you form good friendships? What is a good friend? There's a need for this, maybe particularly because of what we've been through with COVID and seeing a, a world that is growing increasingly atomized, you know, just separated, lonely, a lot of struggles with that. So I thought one out of Proverbs on friendship. It's not good to be alone, is it? It isn't good to be alone. And so what is a good friend? Of course, studying this made me think of some good friends in my life. It was a delight. I started making a list. And some of those are not like real close, intimate friendships, but they've been friends. I thought of Tim and eighth grade when I was going through a very difficult time in my life. He was a few years older than me, and he befriended me, included me in much of his life, uh, and really helped me for the first time see, uh, you know, other than my dad, but somebody who was a friend who was very godly, and, and, and a lot of fun like that. I was thinking of college, and some of my friends, and what a delight college was, mainly because of friendship developing, you know, college is such a weird time where you don't really have much responsibility and you have a lot of free time and so you can do a lot of stuff with friends. And then, of course, church. What a delight. We get calls, not infrequently, to the office for people who need help. And one of the things that's saddest about that is they have no friends. They have nobody that they can turn to. They have no relational group and so they're randomly calling organizations looking for help. And you know, if you're part of something like this, you don't lack that. You know that? And so friendship. Um, we're going to look at that. I'm going to read Proverbs 17, 17 and 18, 24 and uh, pray. And then I want to look at three kinds of friends in Proverbs and two types of people and hopefully it helps you as a friend, or in looking for friends. Proverbs seventeen seventeen: A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And then eighteen twenty four: A man of com- of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Father, we need your friendship above all others. And so teach us now to turn to you. Thank you that we are not just servants, but called friends through Christ. And so teach us to love you by loving your word, giving our ear to it, giving our lives to it, that you would revive us according to it, and that we might be better friends of others. Uh, And that we might wisely choose well. Um, because we know that those who walk with the wise become wise, and those who are companions of fools will suffer harm. And so, God, please help us now in Jesus' name, Amen. I read Jeremiah eighteen eighteen this week, and let me ask you: Christ's person, His work on earth, is typically described by three offices. Anybody know those? Say it again. Yeah. Prophet, priest, king. And that's right. He is prophet. He is the word of God incarnate. He is priest. He came in our place making sacrifice for our sins that we can go to God. And then he's king. He's ruler. He is the Lord over all things, including our lives. But in Jeremiah 18, 18, it mentions a fourth kind of way that God's word is revealed to us. It says, come, let us devise plans against Jeremiah. So these are enemies of Jeremiah. And they mention these offices, but add one. Surely the law is not going to be lost to the priest, nor counsel to the sage or the wise man, nor the divine word to the prophet. And so God's word has come through priests, like Aaron, through prophets Isaiah Zechariah and so on through kings like David but also a fourth is mentioned here that of the wise man or the sage and so we have in the book in the bible books that aren't from prophets aren't from priests aren't from kings but are from sages or wise men again i mentioned last week that we call these the wisdom literature book like job or Psalms, or Ecclesiastes, or Proverbs. And there's a New Testament uh, wisdom book. Anybody know the book in the New Testament that's related to Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes? James, right. Read James and read it like you'd read Proverbs. It's a book of Proverbs. It's not just like Proverbs, but it's very proverbial. He's writing as a wise man, as a sage, not as a prophet, not as a priest, not as a king, not as a as a wise man, as a sage. And this type of book, as maybe you're familiar, tries to help you see the world as it is and how to live in it very specifically, getting very specific according to wisdom. Now Job does that differently than Psalms, differently than Proverbs, differently than Ecclesiastes, but it all is trying to put like clothes on the Christian, to to teach you how to live with your eyes open, but in a way that's pleasing to God. And, And it'll get very detailed. For instance, if you read Proverbs, the entirety of the book, just looking at what it says about friendship, it'll get into such detail of like how loud your voice should be in the morning. A wise friend will be a bit quieter in the morning you know, a foolish friend will greet you very loudly. It's concerned about that level of detail. It'll concern about how often you frequent your friend's house. If you do it too much, they'll come to despise you. If you do it too little, you're not a good friend. So it's concerned about those kind of details. And so it's not just painting with kind of broad brush strokes. It's getting down into the nitty-gritty. That's what the Wisdom books are four. And of course, Solomon, spirit-inspired wisdom, gives us these in very pithy, catchy sayings that stick. And so we know it. There is a friend who sticks. Right? Why do you remember that? Because of the form it takes. Because of Solomon not just wrote something wise, he wrote in a very wise way to help it stick to you. And to so love God's word for this. Love God's word for the variation, but love that God inspired these men to write in such a way that it's very portable with you. Isn't that kind of him? He could have written in such a far-reaching, unattainable way that it's just hard to get into, but he doesn't. He inspires his word to be written in such a way that you can enter into it very easily. So today we want to look at friendship. Uh, and you could do that in a couple of ways in Proverbs. You could read the entirety of the book of Proverbs and all of it pretty much is applicable to friendship. Every verse, every proverb, the whole of it, you can read through the lens of friendship and learn a lot about what kind of a friend you are, what kind of a friend you're looking for. So that's one way. And then another way is, there are very there are several specific verses or Proverbs that speak directly to friendship. We just read three of them. And if you do that, you'll see that there are three kinds of friends. Now, there, there is one really good, I mean, there's several good commentaries, but one in particular, Derek Kidner's commentary on Proverbs. I'm stealing some of that here. And then I listened to a sermon that did it too where he kind of took all of Proverbs and categorized it into three kinds of friends that you see in Proverbs. And so that's what I want to do first, and then we'll look at the two kinds of people that may be your friends. My purpose here is to help you evaluate, what kind of friend am I? Evaluate your friendships. What kind of relationship is this? Who do I need to invest more in? Who am I giving short shrift to? Or Is this friend in my life a good friend, a trustworthy friend, a godly friend to help us live with some discernment in this world? So hopefully this will be helpful. So three kinds of friends, those three kinds are benefits, friends who are just friends because of mutual or maybe not mutual, just there's some benefit there. Second is mission. That is, we have a similar interest, a similar goal, and my friendship is formed around this similar purpose or mission, and then a true friend. So let's first look at uh, benefit. But let me just give a a gentle warning here. As you think about these different kinds of friendships, be careful not to make the mistake of thinking every friend needs to be a true friend. We'll, We'll get into it in a second. There are just friendships formed around somebody needs something from you and you're good at it. And that doesn't need to become a true friendship. It's okay for it to be like that. There are some friends where you like have a mutual love of, I don't know, crocheting. Yeah, sure, seriously. It doesn't need to be anything different than that. That's okay. There's sometimes an expectation we place that if we're not deep, intimate friends with all of these various kinds of friendships, or something wrong. That's not true. You can only have a couple really true friends. Uh, you'll need these various kinds of friendships. In fact, Christ had these various kinds of friends. So first, benefit. In Proverbs 19.4, wealth bang, brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted. 22.11, he who loves purity of kind and whose speech is gracious will have The kind as his friend. So these are friendships. They're not necessarily deep. They are true friendships, but where it's mainly about benefits. You might have somebody that you enjoy because they make you laugh. That's the benefit they bring you. I was out at Bill Kingsbury's this week. He knows how to turn wood, and I needed wood turned. I I had a benefit derived from Bill. I'm very grateful for that. Uh, and, and so you get something from these people or you give something to these friendships. This is, in one sense, the beginning and basis of our relationship with God. We come to Him in need. We need something from Him. He has what we need, and He is gracious and gives. And so this kind of friendship, again, isn't bad in itself. Now, it can become bad, When you're the kind of taker. You just take and take and you get angry when somebody doesn't give and they don't have the time. when they... And so all you do is look to others for what they can give to you. But we're going to need these kind of friendships. This kind of friendship is based on benefit, what we get or give from another. And so are you the kind of person with your talents, what you're good at, that you're generous with that with others. So that's the first kind, benefit. The second is mission. That is, this is a friendship that isn't just based on what you can give or what you can gain from somebody, but there's a shared mission, a shared commitment or goal, something you're pursuing. Now, the way that you see this first in Proverbs is negatively. Negatively. In Proverbs 1.11, you're with fools, the ungodly, and they say, come with us. Throw your lot among us. They want you to join them. They have a mission. They have a goal. It's not godly, but they want your investment in that mission. Now, you see the positive side in Proverbs, that really the entirety of the book is calling on believers and Christians to join together in this mission of growing together in the fear of God. To growing together and learning how to live in this world with wisdom. And so, hopefully as a Christian, this is a common mission that we have together. Why should you be part of a neighborhood small group? What's the purpose? Why join that? Because you want to invest in relationships that are on this mission together of, I want to become more godly. I want to help you become more godly. Why should you come to the Wednesday evening men's study as they read through the book of Proverbs? So you can join with other men who have this common commitment. I want to be a more godly man. Same thing with the women's study. In Philippians 1.5, we read of Paul saying that we have this common partnership in the gospel. Now, many relationships are formed of this. It can be as simple as I said before. Gathering with people who love archery or homeschooling or trapping or quilting. You have this common love of a hobby That's something of a mission. You want to get better at it, so you join with others. Those are great. But we also, we do need those, and those can be profitable to us as Christians involving ourselves with unbelievers for the sake of joining relationally with them in friendship, prayerfully hoping to call them to faith in Christ, invite them to church, to be able to let them observe your life and invest in them relationally. But hopefully we do so knowing that they have a soul, that there is eternity to come, and that we will proclaim Christ to them. We will share the gospel with them. So these kind of friendships can be very helpful evangelistically. But as a Christian, too, as we join together in whatever we join to, isn't our main desire to become more like Christ? And so this is what we want to be. We were we've been thinking a lot about Sabbath, and how even on the Sabbath, our speech should be different than the other six days. That we come together with other Christians and want to talk about the things of God, and not just about our hobbies or what this last week was. Because we're Christians. We want to know God more. We want to know His love more. We want to... Share each other's burdens more. And so even on the Sabbath, our speech will be different because of our common mission. Now, there is going to be need for discernment here. Just because you have a sense of belonging to this common mission, is this relationship going to drag me down? So again, in the book of Proverbs, much of it is written for you to live with discernment of the kind of person you're dealing with. We'll get to that more in a minute. The last kind of friendship, the third kind of friendship, is true friendship. So you have the benefit kind of friend, where you get something or give something. You have the mission, a common commitment, a common desire. And then this last one is true friendship. That's what we read of in 1717. Now again, be careful here. When we use the term true friendship, that doesn't mean to degrade those other kinds of friendships. Friends who have benefits from you or you from them, friends around these other, are good. There's nothing wrong with them. They're important. But when we get to this true friendship, we're, we're looking at kind of the heart of what we would maybe sometimes call the lifelong friendship, a golden friendship, a, a friend where it's soul to soul, <laughs> It's more than just a benefit. It's, it's more than just a common mission. It's a true friendship. Again, you, you don't have time or emotional ability to have a lots of these. But this is the kind that we often struggle with too. Where you are vulnerable, open, present with this friend. In fact, you have to say no to other relationships and friendships for the sake of this friendship. So there's a depth, but it can't be entered into quickly. It takes years. And those kind of friendships often are built through the thing that most terrifies us. What is that? What's the thing that most terrifies you? That you really are very reluctant to deal with and often will walk away from? Conflict. There's relational problems, sin from that person to you or you to that person, because we just are so afraid of conflict, so afraid of dealing with it, that we just will ignore it, won't be able to go into further depth of relationship, because true friendships are often formed in the furnace, the fire of conflict. And we're very afraid of conflict. We hate it. We loathe it. We run from it. Or we just destroy it and fight or flight, right? We just go nuclear on it and we So anybody remember the proverb that talks of how conflict sharpens? Iron sharpens iron. And there's conflict. There's heat. There's sparks. You'll learn to trust a true friend often because of conflict with each other, with others, fighting in in the good sense of fight the good fight fighting, not just being a jerk. Forms, helps form the kind of trust necessary for this friendship. So let's look at a a few uh, traits of a true friend in the book of Proverbs. Well, we saw one here, Proverbs 17 17, 17, 17, I think this first trait is probably the most important trait. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Again, 1824, a man... Of many companions comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Listen to this one. Many a man. Turn there if you want. 20, verse 6. Hopefully, they're all here within a page or two of each other. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love. They're always talking about what they'll do and what they'll say and... It's easy to proclaim, but a faithful man who can find. So, this first trait is that of constancy. Constancy. Commitment. There's a loyalty, faithfulness. I'm in. In fact, look at 1717 again. a friend loves there's two parts to this: true friend loves at all times at all times here means has the connotation of in all seasons enduringly loves so this is the the, the, the sweetest. Word in the Bible, love, affection, um, relational, I'm there. Commitment is the heart of love. What does it take to have a lifelong marriage? Keeping your vows. It's love. So a true friend gives this sacrificial, I'm all in, Affection, intimacy, in all seasons enduringly. And in Proverbs 20, verse 6, very difficult to find. You can have lots of people who proclaim it, you can have lots of companions, but a faithful man who can find a constant, a friend with constancy who can find. Now, one of the things that I struggled with and struggle with and was thinking a lot about, and maybe I'm just not mature enough yet or old enough yet, I think, you know, this is learned with age. How do you find that? How do you become that? It feels like magic, doesn't it, if you had a friend like this or were a friend like this? Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 6, again, here's the wisdom. Here's the wise man. It's very hard to find these people. He's looked at his life. He's looked at the world. And what he sees is this kind of true friend is very difficult to be and to have. A faithful friend. Who can find a faithful man? A constant, a true friend. Why is it so hard? Why is it so difficult? Well, I, I think there's a lot of reasons we could give. I mean, like a lot. And the thing I keep thinking of, and I've thought a lot about, is just the intimacy it takes, the vulnerability. And so the thing that mostly gets in the way of it is our just our pride. Our we just want to keep to ourselves and not. Give. We want to maintain a level of privacy, of keeping security. Maybe we've been hurt, fear, whatever, but we just won't open. Now, we have a fake version of that in our world, and it could be social media, whatever, but where we're like voyeuristic. Like we just want to see everything about everybody, but we really don't know them. This is one of the temptations for you in listening to pastors on podcasts and sermons. You don't know these guys at all. You don't know them a bit. You don't know the quality of their marriage or whether their children smile at them. You have no idea of their life, but you've given them the heart. They're no true pastor, friend. They don't know you at all. So anyways, the first mark of a true friend is this constancy. This, It's not flashy. It's constant. The second mark of a true friend throughout Proverbs is speech that builds up and corrects. If you know anything about Proverbs or anything about other wisdom literature like the book of James, it talks a lot about how you talk. They're very convicting. Your mouth is a Fire that can light the whole world up. It's a rudder that steers everything. If you can get control of it, you've won life. But oh, it's so hard. So in in Proverbs, true friends use speech particularly for honest, loving correction. You'll know the verse I'm going to. You could say it. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses, the flattery of one who pretends to be your friend of an enemy. So this is the very thing that we often reject relationship for. People who are honest with us. Anybody who dares be honest with you, you won't be a friend. We'll see this in Galatians. Paul has been very honest with the Galatians and they've rejected him. And he says what? Well, now that I've been told you the truth, I'm not your friend but those who flatter you are. Now this isn't just somebody who is loose-lipped and goes around jabbing with true honest words. Proverbs 12:18 there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. How many of you watched uh, Band of Brothers? I think it was the Band of Brothers one. There's a point, they're they're dug in for the night, the Germans are across the field, and you know, they have a foxhole, two are in the foxhole, and one is sleeping while one's on duty, and the guy's sleeping, and the uh, companion comes and wakes him up, and he thinks it's a German, and he starts jabbing him with his uh, bayonet. Remember that part? That's what our words are sometimes like. We tell the truth, but it just, it's not love, it's not caring, it's not what we're talking about. This is an apt word. To make an apt answer is a joy to man, a word in season, how good it is. This is a trying to be careful with good intent, out of a relationship. You call somebody on what you see is wrong. True friends do this for each other. It's essential. Now, the opposite of that is just somebody who's a gossip. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who's trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Proverbs 11:13, there are lots of verses about gossip and talebearing and so on. So a true friend is one who has this love at all times, all seasons, constancy, and speech that is building, speech that seeks to help you become more like Christ. So that's the ultimate of a true friend. They want the best for you. You want the best for them. And what that ultimately means, you want them more mature in Christ. That's the core commitment. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. And so mutual friendships will be friends of those who are not content with where they're at. Iron sharpens iron. We're supposed to be useful to the kingdom. We're supposed to be useful to each other. We need to be a sharpened tool. And the temptation is, or the problem is, we get dulled. We get nicked. We get disheartened. And so we need sharpening, honing. We need a spark. And true friends are those who help that. They help sharpen you. They help hone you. They help encourage, motivate you when you're down. They're there. Now, I, one of the dangers in this or one of the failures is, I, just, just to warn you, I'm Like you might be entering into a relationship with somebody that you think, maybe even have a right intent, a desire for them to become a Christian or, or they're immature in Christ and you're going to help them. And so you engage with somebody who is spiritually harmful to you. You know, missionary dating kind of thing. You're going to enter in this relationship maybe with a right heart towards helping them spiritually, but you're just going to get dragged down. You have to be very wise and discerning in this. It's good, true too, for opposite-sex friendships. True friends are not going to be among the opposite sex, right, Gene? Remember that a couple of years ago? <laughs> Her and Terry were starting to hang out, and she came and said, "Can uh, can a woman be a good friend with a guy?" Uh, what did I say? Do you remember? Nope. <laughs> Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You have to be very careful at this.
1: Now, if you're a young
0: man who's finding most of your relationships with a young woman, why do you think that is? Or if you're a young woman and consistently find yourself only around other young men and not women, there's a need there that will not be satisfied in that way. Your true friendships will be men with other men and women with other women. All right, so those are the three kinds of friendships, benefit, mission, and true. Let's just look at two types of people quickly. Okay, in Proverbs, of course, I think you're probably aware of this, you have the wise man and the fool. The wise man and the fool. And in fact, In the fool, there's actually three kinds of fools in the book of Proverbs. There's actually different words used for these different levels, degradations of a fool. You have the simple. There's this word in the Hebrew that connotates not somebody who's like actively evil and loving is evil. He's just simple, easily led, naive, lazy, just committed to short-term ease and comfort so they're not doing the work the self-denial for long-term gain. They love drama. Always involved in drama. They're takers, often not givers. We'll have these people in our lives. They could really go either way. They could turn to Christ and become more godly, or they could continue on in their simple ways and degrade further. And so what do you do with those kinds? Well, I think you care, but with real boundaries. They'll use you up. That's one kind. Then you have a second kind of fool, which is the word fool. This is somebody who's not just simple. They actually love their sin. They won't listen to the wisdom of others, but are glad to give their opinion. They continue to return time again to their folly, to their sin, to their vomit. They actually are harmful to others and drag them down. They're to be avoided. And then you have the scoffer. That's kind of the lowest level of the fool in Proverbs. That word is used 17 times in Proverbs. He's kind of the end degradation of a fool. He's not just morally impure and harmful, but an active apostle trying to recruit and lead others along with him or her. Hates correction. Anyone who dare opposes they will just heap venom upon them. And so, unlike the simple, the scoffer and the fool, you just gotta avoid them. You don't put in with them. Now, the wise in the Bible are not perfect people, but they do love God. They're they're humble, they know they need Christ. They're kind. They're not into drama. They typically work hard. They're generous. Their mouth, especially, is used to build up, not to gossip, not to tear down. So that's what we want to become. And I think that's what we should do with this teaching in Proverbs on friendship. What kind of friend are we? Are you a taker, mainly, or a giver? your life filled with drama or do you often bring peace? Do you care to build others up? Are you praying? Are you willing to enter into loving conflict to wound your friend and be wounded? Committed. Are you there when the chips are down? And then discernment. You'll have to evaluate others. The whole entirety of Proverbs is to help you Evaluate, to help you make judgments. What kind of person is this? Where does he or she fit within these types of friendship or within these kinds of people? And always ringing in the back of your mind is, you walks with the wise will become wise. Companion of fools will suffer harm. He walks with the wise, become wise, a companion of fools, will suffer harm. And so let's begin with, what kind of friend am I? What kind of friend are you? What are the one or two or three relationships that you want to invest more in and see where it goes? You want to be more intimate and vulnerable. Maybe you're lonely. Why can't I have a good guy friend or a good girlfriend? Do I have A true friend. If not, why not? Make it a matter of prayer. And hopefully, it starts here. Hopefully, this is the basis where friendships grow. I was thinking we have a church with some people who have been here for decades. Just raise your hand if you've been here decades. Yeah, a lot of people. Raise your hand if you've been here less than a decade. Yeah, look at that. Isn't that a good mix? And so one of the things you want to do is, those of you who have been here for decades, one of the things I've loved about people who have been here for a long time is they don't own the church. They've never demanded, this is the way we've always done it. Or or just have an iron grip, and there's a small cabal of people who manipulate things. We haven't had that. Praise God for that. And those of you who are newer here, last five or ten years, let's invest in each other. That's what this is about. There are people who love the church, but don't love people at all. People are always about the church or this or that, but they don't know anybody and nobody knows them individually. Let's be the kind of church where we give ourselves to individuals with faces and names and stories and hurts and all of it. Be better friends, huh? Let's pray. Father, help us. Thank you that we do have Christ, the true friend that does stick closer than the brother. Thank you that we have. Your constancy towards us, may we reciprocate towards you in greater faithfulness and love, but also towards each other. Help us to be better friends, to be useful to others and bring them benefit, to enjoy the relationships formed around things that we enjoy together, our mission or hobbies, and, and then, God, give us true friendship. Help us to be good, true friends. Provide this for us. And especially those kind of friendships where we are iron sharpening iron, helping each other build up in Christ, who might be prepared better for the day to come. What a delight this is. So give us Davids or Jonathans in our lives. Give us these kind of friends that help us to be like that. that we might be better, might be growing. That's this in Jesus' name. Amen.